Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn. We are back in action after tax day. Woohoo! It's been a little slow on the Founders and Friends Podcast the last couple of weeks because we've been co- uh, concentrating on tax day for Cruise Consulting. But we're there. We're done. Things are going great. Uh, so thank you very much for bearing with us. We'll have a bunch of new podcasts coming out soon. And then just a quick little note here. This podcast is brought to you by Cruise Consulting, the startup accounting and tax firm of Silicon Valley's Choice, over 160 clients. And we're very happy to say that we now have 20 team members at Cruise Consulting. So we're growing very quickly. And uh, please spread the word. And also brought to you by Goodwin Proctor's FinTech Bank Charter Symposium, which is going to be May 3rd. So shoot me an email if you want an invite. Uh, It's run by Michael Whalen, who's one of the top FinTech lawyers in all of the country. He's Goodwin Proctor's specialist on FinTech. Awesome guy. Knows this stuff so well, and it should be a really cool symposium. They're going to be talking about the bank charter, fintech bank charter, which is basically uh, the U.S. government is proposing letting kind of fintech companies, online lenders predominantly, uh, have some of the same kind of statuses and regulatory regimes as banks do. Really interesting, nerdy stuff, but I think uh, this audience will probably like that. So shoot me an email if you want to invite. And now on to uh, our regular scheduled podcast. And I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guest is Mike Letterman from BridgeBank. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. So Mike and I have been friends for a long time. And at one time, Mike was a competitor in the venture lending world. He's been at BridgeBank for a long time. He's built a great practice there. Maybe you want to retrace your career a little bit for the audience? Sure. Happy to. So I started uh, uh, in banking uh, 16 years ago now and spent about 10, 12 years uh, in, in technology lending, working with startup companies at all stages of their life cycle. Uh, as you said, took a little break, went to a, a venture debt shop for a couple of years, and uh, was a, a great experience working with companies from more of an enterprise value perspective. Um, and then came back to BridgeBank a little over three years ago, and uh, currently manage our San Francisco, Bay Area, and Pacific Northwest region, working with uh, tech companies, uh, again, at all stages of their life cycle, throughout all types of uh, products and services that they might need. Yeah. And that's, by the way, that's a very large territory you got there. It is a large territory. <laughs> Th- thankfully, it's no more than a two-hour plane ride to any of it. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, there are three really different markets between Seattle, Portland, and, and the Bay Area. Yeah. But Bridge Bank as a whole is is a nationwide practice. We work with companies all over the place. Awesome, and we're so on this podcast. We're going to talk about like banking services for startups. That is what you, you guys live and breathe. That you guys are awesome at it. We at Cruise Consulting refer deals to you. We just referred one over to you where you closed a $5 million deal, which is awesome. I know the CEO is really, really happy. So thank you for doing that, first thank of all. Thank you for the referral. That's a, a great company. We're really happy to have them on yeah, board. He's a good one. That's a good one. So maybe talk, first of all, you guys just had a big, big acquisition in your life. Uh, at BridgeBank. Can you maybe yep. talk through what happened there and why it's so great? Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. It's been over a year and a half already, but BridgeBank merged with Western Alliance Bank, which is a bank holding company out of Phoenix. Uh, we are still BridgeBank, but now a division of Western Alliance. Um, so we went from being a $2 billion institution to a $17 billion institution. And what that means is we're able to grow with our clients a little bit better than we were in the past. Previously, we would cap out at a, at a commitment size based on the size of, of Bridge Bank as an independent bank. And now, being part of Western Alliance, we can grow, uh, grow up with our clients a lot better. So yeah. while we start out at a smaller commitment amount, we can now 
go up much higher. We can participate in their facilities as, as they grow, uh, whether that's working with other banks, with syndications, or with continue to work with traditional venture debt partners. Uh, so it's it's been a, a great platform for us. It's enabled us to roll out a few new products and services and groups. Um, since the acquisition, uh, we have rolled out an equity fund resources group where we're doing capital call lines oh, and working, that's awesome. the working directly with that. the VCs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been great there. That's and a that's a underrated way of getting to VCs deal flow is doing their capital call loans. Well, it doesn't hurt to, to be their <laughs> bank as well. So so that's been a nice addition and opened up a new office on Sand Hill Road. Uh, uh, we have a life science practice now that's based in San Diego. My focus continues to be mostly on technology, but we also have a big asset-based lending group and a, and a corporate middle market lending group here that that we work with and so it's 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 been a a great uh a great opportunity for us to yeah. be now a, a bit of a bigger bank but still have that small bank feel yeah i mean i think people maybe didn't realize but as as a seed or series a company you take a smaller loan and then but as the company really starts accelerating they need like 10 or 15 20 million dollar credit lines mm-hmm. at series b or series c or series d and that's where you guys can play now. It's, it's actually really important that you got that, that bigger capital base and bigger bank behind you. And that's, uh, yeah, that was part of the impetus for, for that merger. And, and uh, it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, whoever, whoever thought of that, what, did they approach you guys? You got, they must have. Like, you know, I wasn't part of those conversations, but uh, I, I think it was a win-win for both yeah. sides. Because you guys always had really, you're always really good on originations and have a great mm-hmm. reputation and people know you. But just having like that that muscle behind you is really exciting. It's been helpful, you know. As as, as you know, there's really only a handful of banks that lend a pre profit venture back startup. So yeah. it's, it's nice to be one of them and and to be one as as part of a top performing bank in the country. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look at the stock and see if I can buy that stock. Uh, I no I, comment we, from you. We probably are, we are all enjoying the stock price. I'll <laughs> I'll say that. So maybe talk about kind of the fundamental services a startup needs from their bank. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they get the VC money, they open a bank account, but they don't really know all the things that a bank can do for them. Well, the key is what we find is a lot of times when there's a startup entrepreneur, their first bank account for their business is wherever they bank personally. And that might be one of the very big banks in the country, which do a great job on the consumer side, but might not be the best bank for a early stage venture or non-venture backed technology company who needs products and services that a traditional bank is not going to think about for them. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where, where BridgeBank, I think, does a great job. We have a uh, product for early stage companies that are either venture backed or non-venture backed, which essentially is free banking for a year. Oh, uh, we give a, a great, we call it bridge to growth. And it enables these, uh, these types of companies to um, come over to us start that relationship now. It might not be a debt need today, um, but at least it has that relationship today. Use this as a resource, whether it be to find a, a great CFO consulting firm Thank you. Uh, Thank or, you. <laughs> or, uh, or an attorney or a CPA or use our resource and also get phenomenal banking services that uh, are going to help expand that business, whether letter of credit, credit card, the things that these startups need that, to your point, they're not thinking about right away. Yeah. Uh, the bigger banks, um, the retail banks are not, not going to be as successful with those startups yeah. as, as we are. We see that a lot. Like a lot of companies come to us with like a Chase or Citigroup or something like that. And it's like, not to knock the, those are big successful companies, but they really get get no services from their bank. And, yep. and oftentimes it's like, 
they're not used to working with people like an outsourced CFO. So like the fact that we're accessing the bank account in a different location, we get locked out all the time. And it's like yep. people don't understand it costs the company money mm-hmm. and they're not getting the kind of benefit of your experience in the Valley, your guys's connections. It's, it's actually, I, I highly recommend they work with bridge bank or, mm-hmm. you know, another, at the very least like another startup bank because they need yep. those connections. Well, and as, as you know, it's, this is all a relationship business. So when you start that yeah. relationship early and, and what we really make an effort to do is, have that dedicated relationship manager for that company. Yeah. Uh, and so you're not calling an 800 number. You're not asking, yeah. you're, not, you're not going into a branch trying to find somebody to talk to. You You know who to talk to. You've met with that person. You have their cell phone number. And so it's one person to call for, for anything, whether yeah. that be the banking services, the deposit needs, um, and down the road, the debt needs. It's yeah. that same person, that same point of contact at Bridge Bank that you're working with. It, it's so important. And even like that deal we I referred over to you guys, like in the emails, like, hey, Mike, this is a good one. Pay, make sure you pay real mm-hmm. attention to this one. And it's like that little tip of, tip of the cap to you tells you that this is a company. It's worth your time. I'm not, I'm not wasting your time. I'm sure Absolutely. you when you're looking at the debt needs, you're actually paying attention to who the referrer is. Oh, it means and a lot credibility in your world yeah no it means a lot it means a lot and as you know you always want to refer a company to somebody that you know is going to take care of that referral and so that's that's everything in in this this industry yeah so the the startups are going to need they're going to need wire capabilities potentially Mm -hmm. letter of credit they need to be able to access their bank account all some some stuff that you know may be more difficult with a bigger bank what other things do you guys do for startups? I think the big thing is is the debt piece. Yeah. You know, we everything you mentioned on the deposit side and, and just, you know, on that subject, we, we have any product and service that the biggest banks in the world offer, including a phenomenal FX capability and international services. Oh, that's a great point. Um, we, we actually use our, we, our clients need to use foreign service, foreign wires and foreign FX a lot, actually, because... There's no real, no one's really solved. There's no bill.com for foreign payments. Yeah. And so they're constantly using their bank to make those. Yeah. And and there's, there's no question they're going to have better, uh, better products and services from, from us than from, from a bigger bank. Yeah. We have a a great FX, uh, FX team that that helps with that. Uh, but, but as they grow, they're also going to need debt and whether that is debt from us or debt from a venture debt firm, it's going to be a big part of the financing need for that company. Certainly much less dilutive than, than venture capital. Um, it's going to supplement venture capital, provide additional runway extension. And so that's where we can really come in to help. Not only if it's from us or an introduction we make to one of our partners or a hybrid of the two, uh, it makes a lot more sense to, again, be working with, with a bank like ours from the beginning. Yeah. You said it very well, maybe just at the very high level, there might be people out there saying like, how can a startup possibly borrow money if they're losing money? Cause everyone associates kind of, you need money to, to borrow money and who would want to fund or lend to a company that's actually losing money. But there's a huge market of this. I used mm-hmm. to be a member of this market. Yep. You guys are a dominant player. Like how do you think about that as an institution? And what do you say to those people who don't quite get that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. There's thousands of banks in the country and only, <laughs> and only four that, that really do what we do, lending to pre-profit startups. So yeah. uh, there's three main types of lending products for uh, most startup companies. One is going to be uh, an account receivable line of credit. That could be uh, as simple as financing specific invoices, similar to factoring. Uh, it could be a revolving asset-based line uh, that we true up on a monthly basis of what's your, your borrowing base based on accounts receivable, or it could be based on recurring revenue. And that's one of our fastest growing lending products based on uh, a monthly recurring revenue and a multiple of that. 
And for a SaaS company, that's going to be a lot more predictable in your bar and base availability. It doesn't have the lumpiness of an account receivable aging. Uh, not a lot of quarter end spikes that you, you used to see with, with AR agings. And then the final more traditional debt product for startups is, is venture debt or growth capital. And so we offer all of those products. Um, sometimes we pr- prefer to do it on our own. Sometimes a company might benefit from a hybrid solution of a senior piece from us and a subordinated piece from a venture debt provider. We work with many of the venture debt providers around the country mm-hmm. and uh, I think are, are a very good partner to all of them as we prefer to do the best thing for the company. That yeah. might not be all of it from us, and yeah. we're, we're certainly okay with that. That's how we became friends, because we would always talk about syndicated deals. And mm-hmm. I think we, I don't, I, I'm not going to say the company's name, but we actually did one. I don't yeah. know if you remember. And yeah. it's like, Absolutely. I got to see how Bridge Bank worked, how you worked, like on the real, yeah. kind of underneath the covers, and it was great. And the, the company really benefited because they got way more money than we could provide as a one-stop shop and way mm-hmm. more money that you could provide as a one-stop yeah. shop. And, and it worked out. And I think one of the great things about those combos is you effectively blend the cost of capital for the venture lending fund, which has a higher cost of capital, but can be more flexible. Mm-hmm. And the bank, which has a lower cost of capital, but needs you to fit into some parameters. The company ends up getting more money at a lower interest rate for everything. No question. And, and, and a more flexible solution. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that that company is still a client. And yes, good. Still doing well. And, good, and uh, and and that's exactly right. And it extends runway between the time you did your last round and the time you need the next round. Yeah. And so it's a it's a much less dilutive cost of capital for the company itself. Yeah. When you're underwriting a business, you're you're looking. You mentioned like uh, monthly recurring revenue and accounts receivable, and then enterprise value. Do you, can you kind of go into each of those a little bit? And I think a lot of people who listen don't may not even know what accounts receivable financing is and mm-hmm. what monthly recurring revenue financing is. Sure. So for accounts receivable, that's when you've, you've sent that invoice out to your customer and you're typically going to bill maybe net 30, probably gonna, not going to get paid until net 90, maybe 120, <laughs> depending on your industry. Do you do uh, this for uh, startup accounting firms? Because uh, <laughs> I was just sending out invoices just now. I was like, I wonder when I'm going to get paid Actually, on all these Actually, we do. So oh, we, we can talk we after talk. this. Yeah. All right. Well, this turned into so, a great yeah, meeting. Yeah, good. So, so what AR financing does is it helps with that. It's very simple. Working capital financing. Get uh, typically an 80% advance rate against the invoices that you've sent and get 80% of that today and true up every month. So you're receiving 80% of your outstanding AR balances on an ongoing basis with a, a standard borrowing base, yeah. borrowing formula. Uh, and it enables you to pay your vendors before you're getting paid from your customers. Mm-hmm. And typically, you need to pay your vendors before you get paid from your customer. So that really helps uh, bridge that gap. Yeah, you're effectively pulling forward your revenue like one month or yep. two months or three months. It's it's very helpful, especially for a startup that's growing rapidly. Because then also, you know, maybe they're doing five hundred thousand dollars in revenue one month, and then seven hundred thousand dollars, and a million dollars that growth is really costly. You have to invest a lot of capital in that. So being able to pull that money forward and effectively invest the, those debt proceeds into your business while you're growing is, is really nice for the companies. And it's, it's the, the least expensive cost of debt out there. Yeah. That's and, a great point. It's like, yeah. that's bank's favorite thing, right? It, it like is. You can, and it should be a company's favorite thing. If I yeah. were, were a company, I, I, even if you don't plan to use it, it's nice to have just in case. Yeah. 
That's yeah. to- that's totally true. Because yeah. you never know when like you hit a bump or someone who normally pays on time all the time didn't mm-hmm. pay on time this month. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, so accounts receivables, you deliver the service, whatever you're doing, and you sent the invoice, and now you can uh, essentially finance that with Bridge Bank. That's right. And so then that- what's the what's monthly recurring revenue? Like people hear about SaaS businesses, but like. What does monthly recurring revenue mean? And how do you think, how do you advance against that? Yeah, so that's where you are looking more at the future billings based on what you've done historically. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is you take, let's use three months as an example. So what was the prior month's monthly recurring revenue? Yeah. Maybe you're billing annually, but we can kind of put that onto a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And looking if, at the, if your account's doing the, a good job, they are. They're, absolutely. they're accruing that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're accruing on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. Call it three three months of the last recurring revenue. Maybe it could be more. And we typically will multiply that by the retention rate. The retention rate for wow. a SaaS company is going to be you know, very simple. How much of your recurring revenue are you retaining every yeah. month? And um, SaaS by, should, by definition, have a really high retention rate because... After all, you're, you're, these people are using your mission-critical software, and they don't want to leave, and so they're always going to renew. Yeah. And so if that retention rate was really low, you'd be in trouble anyways. And you'd be in trouble anyway, but, but exactly. It's typically yeah. high. And, and so we take the, the last three months times the retention rate. This is a very plain vanilla type yeah. of approach to it. And that's how much you can borrow on a recurring revenue line. Very similar to an AR line, it's interest only for whatever you're borrowing. You don't have to borrow anything. You can borrow. You can pay down. You can borrow. You can pay down. Whatever you've you've advanced on during that month, that's what you pay interest yeah. on. So okay. very simple, very easy to administer. Again, a relatively low cost of capital. Unlike AR, it's not actually fulfilled receivable. So mm-hmm. it is a somewhat a, a, at times can be slightly higher cost of capital. Yeah but still a, a very inexpensive type of facility to put yeah. in place. So if a company was doing a million dollars a month in revenue and maybe the retention rate, I'm just going to, you'd want it to be higher than this, but 90%. So mm-hmm. that's $900,000 times three. So they could borrow $2.7 million. That's no right. Problem. Yeah, that's right. And again, that is, it's fairly safe. It's not quite as safe as accounts receivable, but it's pretty safe and a lower rate because it's so much safer. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And then you, you said something which, kind of triggered something in my mind, which was you don't have to pay down the principal, which is actually a key thing for startups because you can borrow money, but some lenders require you, or sometimes it's right away, sometimes it's in the future, to start paying the lender back. And well, that impacts the, your cash flows, right? And that's one of the big differences between a line of credit and a, a venture or growth capital yep. term loan. Yep. With a line of credit, uh, for us, I, I can't think of any times where there's any required borrowings. Mm-hmm. So if you need to borrow, you borrow. If yeah. you don't want to borrow, you pay it down. Yep. Um, unlike a term loan, which might have a drawdown period of some sort, um, but then it's going to have an interest-only period, and then it's going to amortize back, usually with equal monthly principal payments plus interest. Yep. You may or may not want that money out a year or two down the road. That's the benefit of a line of credit, maybe in addition to or instead of a term loan. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, we used to, at Lighthouse, when I was doing it, we used to do uh, amortizing loans. So like a company might be paying down $50,000 of principal or $100,000 of principal every month. And while that's great for the lender because it's reducing their risk and they can redeploy those dollars, it's not great for the startup. Ideally, they would like to have that money on interest only for forever. Forever. And I've had many founders Mm -hmm. ask me that. I'm sure they ask you that. But, you know, we say that jokingly, but the longer they don't have to pay the money back, the longer they can continue to reinvest those dollars in their business. Uh, That's right. And and that's where I was saying earlier, the hybrid approach can sometimes add tremendous value, whether that be 
a line of credit and a term loan from us or a line of credit from us and a term loan from one of our partners. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, it's a nice way to get the the best of both worlds. How, maybe just talk about that a little bit because it may be kind of a foreign concept to some of the listeners that two lending institutions can work together and actually lend to the same company. It might be a bit unique, uh, but but that is one of the hallmarks of how I think we've been successful at Bridge yeah. Bank is building those relationships with the venture debt fund community. Um, and, and we've worked with, with many of them, if, if not almost all of them. And, and the benefit to the borrower of working with, with the bank and the fund is the fund can be uh, a little bit more flexible than a bank at times. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a higher cost of capital. They don't have the depositor's money to lend out like, like a bank does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to have a higher cost of capital. But that blended cost of capital can be so advantageous to the, to the borrower. Yeah. Um, and many times... Uh, the bank and the venture debt provider have worked together lots in the past, and so there are agreements among both lenders called an intercreditor agreement, yeah. which is already in place. You change the borrower name, and and that document is yeah. done. That's and actually a critical distinction. I'm so glad you brought that up because there were times past where we would try to partner with someone who wasn't a, a bank that wasn't very reasonable, mm-hmm. and we didn't have that intercreditor agreement, and so the two lenders would spend a ton of energy and time kind of butting heads over certain terms. And, and the borrower's money. And the borrower's money, yeah. And the oh. borrower just wants their their deal. Oh. So having like preferred partners like you is really helpful because then, mm-hmm. then the borrower knows what they're getting into. They don't have to worry about the two kind of... The two, the two other people fighting between themselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. what And so in, in those agreements, usually you guys are senior and you guys have kind of the advantageous position. Yeah, but, the bank is always going to be in the senior position. Yeah. And that, that's that's standard. And, and that's because your cost of capital is so much lower. You you have to be senior. You have to be kind we of have first to be out. out first. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, depending on how something is structured, the bank might have a lien, senior lien on all assets of the company. We might have a lien on specific assets of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and the venture debt provider might have a lien on, uh, on some assets in a senior position. Most of the time, it's, it's fairly straightforward. The bank is senior on everything. Yeah. The venture debt lender is, has a second. Yeah, uh, that's how I used to always be. Yeah. So, so you guys can work together. And, and just from a firepower perspective, you guys, you said you can go up to like $50 million alone as Bridge Bank now. And what, what could you do in, a, in conjunction with a lender? Or is it more about just kind of crafting the deal terms to fit each other's risk profile? Everything is, is deal specific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we do have a, that's, that's easy answer. Yeah. We, we do have a much uh, higher legal lending limit now. Now, as we're part of Western yeah. Alliance Bank, uh, but yeah, we can we have much larger facilities with our clients as being part of Western Alliance than we did as, as yeah. a, an independent uh, bank with with Bridge Bank, uh, which is great as we prefer to work with our clients from very early stage to IPO and beyond, and we have many examples of those types of clients that started with us early, and and we are still either leading or part of uh, multi lender facilities for our clients that have have had liquidity events and that's have really successful cool. IPOs. That's got to feel really good too cuz you get to st- you build a relationship with the CEOs and you get to stick with them for a long uh, time. you do and and you know then that goes to show about the relationship that the companies I think feel with us. Yeah. Because at times they get to a certain size where they might not necessarily need us to be a part of a larger <laughs> facility. However, we have a relationship with the management team or the board that says 
you guys were there from the beginning. Yeah. We want you to be a part of this yeah. going forward. And we have a, f- a few really good examples of that, that they're, they're, they're great testaments to what we've done. Yeah. I also think, you know, in Silicon Valley, nothing ever works, goes to plan. And in the life cycle of a startup, there's always going to be at least, at least one moment, probably three or four where like, Oh no, what's happening mm-hmm. or you're missing number, whatever it is, there's going to be some adversity and having a, a bank partner and a lending partner who actually really understands that and has a lot of experience is hugely valuable because there's things you can do. You can accommodate them. You can mm-hmm. restructure a deal as long as you feel safe. There's a lot of things you can do to help a company get over the hump. And if they're just kind of picking a lender based on lowest cost of capital or some other criteria, they're missing the boat. They should be b- yeah. doing it based on a relationship. I know that a lot of times companies will create that spreadsheet and show the three banks they're talking to yeah. and put in the cost of capital and the, the interest only period and, and all the deal. Terms. Unfortunately, sometimes I'm creating that spreadsheet, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I talk about the relationship and all the time and like how people act. That's it's an impo- super important. It's, I don't want to discount it. That's a very important part of it. Yeah. However, the, to me, the more important part is what's the reputation of that lender and the team that you're working with and what's going to happen when things don't go to plan yeah to your point things many times don't go to plan uh that's where financial covenants come in you know how we we might put a covenant on a facility and that's an important thing to think about here where a financial covenant is a financial metric in which the borrower is saying i'm going to live up to this part of the agreement uh the document is going to read that way Mm -hmm. that the bank has the ability to take all sorts of terrible actions if a financial covenant default occurs um, however, as I said, this is very much a relationship business, and we are used to companies being off plan. Yeah. Does that mean we want defaults? Of course not. Nobody yeah. wants a default. However, yeah. how is that lender going to act in the event of a default? Yeah. And and what is the process? There's there's always a story. It could be an equity round is coming together. It could be uh, my liquidity is lower because a customer payment got delayed. It could be a contract got shifted from Q2 to Q3. There's there's every possible reason. Yeah. Uh, and we're used to that. It doesn't yeah. scare us and it shouldn't scare the borrower either. So long as you're working with a lender that understands that. Yeah. And also like, and that's, that's hugely important. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, and also like you do a lot of deals with their investors oftentimes. And so you have like this other channel where you can, there's a relationship that way too. And no one's going to act in a rash way if you still want to be doing those VCs deals. And by the way, the, you're a very important capital source for those VCs. Like they don't, they want to get, you know, runway off of your money and have a great working relationship with you. So they're not going to burn you either. So it's yep. a really constructive three-way relationship. It is. You know, it's, 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 we've said that word so many times here. It is a relationship yeah. with the borrower, the investor and the, and the lender. Yeah. And it all has to, to work together. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited about where you guys are. I mean, you guys, the, the merger is great. Uh, you have all the relationships. And like I said, we just referred over a big deal. You did it. CEO's thrilled. We're thrilled. Maybe you can tell everyone kind of where to find you, how to reach out to you. Sure. So um, w- my office is in San Francisco, uh, but email is always best. Mike.Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at bridgebank.com. And our website is bridgebank.com. And again, nationwide practice. And um, we've been lending to tech startups since uh, we were founded in 2001. Yeah. So we've been around a long time and, and not going anywhere. Yeah. And I've, I've worked with Mike personally. He's been great to work with. So I highly recommend him. Well, thank you. All right, man. Thanks for coming by. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for coming on, Mike. And as everyone knows, banks are very careful about compliance. So I would like to read one quick disclaimer, which is Bridge Bank is a division of Western Alliance Bank, member FDIC. Thanks.